Well, let's go back a bit. Let's go back 40 million years when Australia started to drift north from Gondwana and it was covered with rainforest. And as it drifted north and dried out, the rainforest contracted to the wet tropics, the subtropics right here. That's Dr and Tony Parks explaining the how the big scrub came to be. There are uh, tree species around here that can trace their lineage back 240 million years, so it's an ancient, ancient forest. It was once the largest expanse of subtropical rainforest in Australia. It covered some 75,000 hectares here on the far north coast of New South Wales in an area between Lismore, Byron Bay and Ballina. And these were huge, enormous trees and with typical Australian dry sense of humour, they called it a scrub, which is a derogatory term for low vegetation. So it was called the big scrub. By 1900, 99% of the big scrub was cleared. But why? Hello, I'm Kim Honan and that's this week's question for Curious North Coast. And who better to ask than the co-founder and president of Big Scrub Landcare, Dr Tony Parks. He's answered the question countless times over the last three decades and it was a question he once asked himself. After retiring from a career as an investment banker, he moved with his wife to a 42-hectare property at Binnaburra in the heart of what was once the Big Scrub. They used to grow pineapples here. You can tell you find the odd pineapple now, a hundred and something years later. Then it was a dairy farm. Yes, there's our answer. The big scrub was cleared for agriculture. Dr Tony Parks's property had been selected in the 1880s. European settlers were moving in to start a new life. A condition of receiving the, the land grants, the selectors had to clear all the, all the vegetation, not leave 15% along the streams or anything like that, clear it all. So the government really was responsible for 99% of the big scrub being cleared. And while the finger has often been pointed at cedar getters for clearing the big scrub after they moved into the area from the 1840s to harvest the iconic and valuable timber species, the large-scale clearing of the rainforest in fact occurred decades later. They selectively logged cedar, but they didn't cut down the, the rainforest and clear fell it. They simply did selective logging. And red cedar is a rapidly growing species, so it was able to cope with this. And it was only when the, uh, when the settlers arrived that uh, clear felling started. By 1900, there was just 1% of the big scrub left, and it wasn't until almost a century later that some serious thought was given to saving it. Over the ensuing 90-odd years, up to 140 weed species invaded the rainforest and degraded it. So a group of us got together and formed Big Scrub Land Care and with the, with the mission of helping to save the big scrub and its magnificent biodiversity. Because the big scrub has amongst the highest biodiversity of, of plants and animals, that's the number of species, of anywhere in Australia, exceeded only by the wet tropics. So it's, it's unique internationally in that it's got so many Gondwana species here. There are about 300 tree species, uh, about 200 species of vines uh, and ground covers and millions of species of invertebrates and uh, other microorganisms. So it, it's, it's a biodiversity hotspot and it's, it's unique in Australia and it's unique in the world. So it's worth looking after and that's what we do. We care for the rainforest, we restore it and then we keep going looking after it.
Dr Tony Parks, over the past three decades, has planted 40,000 trees on his property, linked his three small remnants of big scrub and restored a third of his big scrub rainforest. There are about 50 to 60 owners of land with remnants of the big scrub, but there are hundreds that have restored areas of rainforest on their properties by planting trees. Like macadamia farmers Martin and Pam Brook at McLeod's Shoot, who run the highly successful food business Brook Farm. When they bought their rundown 36 hectare dairy farm in the 1980s, it was bare and infested with weeds and it's taken 30 years to re-establish the rainforest to what it is today. I would say about um, nearly a third of our property is rainforest. We've done quite an extensive planting which is now about five years old but we planted the majority of the trees about 29-30 years ago. Do you have any idea how many trees you've actually planted in the last three decades? Well, we're up over 35,000, I think. But we've got so much regeneration happening because we've got that ecosystem right where we're canopied and um, it's it's just a ladder for birds. You know, the amazing thing is that when we came here in 1988, there was basically nothing here but planting trees... Doing what we've done is now uh, a kind of sanctuary for, for, for birds and for, for animals. It's, um, yeah, it's, a, it's alive and it was, you're lucky to see a crow in 88. Martin Brook refers to himself as one of the army of rainforest tragics. He's passionate about the big scrub and like Dr Tony Parks, champions it at every chance. So here we are in his regenerated big scrub rainforest, surrounded by the commercial macadamia plantation and down the path from the distillery, the newest addition to the farm. It produces gin using native fruits and botanicals from this very rainforest and also within the local area. Ingredients like macadamias, native raspberries and ginger, rye berries, finger limes, aniseed and cinnamon myrtle and Davidson plums. The Cape Byron distillery has only been in business a year, but the demand for this product, which carries the native flavour and an environmental message, is growing. You know, initially, yes, we were taking uh, things from the rainforest, but now um, we've set aside paddocks for planting Davidson plums and various other uh, various other trees and, and botanicals that we use in the gin. And we're also buying in from uh, other places locally as well because, you know, have a look at this. It's the last thing I want is... Uh, for this to be pillaged, well, you know, I'm going over the top. And so how much gin are you actually producing a year? You're a fairly new business. Well, yeah, qu- quite a bit, actually, quite a bit. And uh, Davidson Plum Gin, um, which is 20, 26%, we're, we're selling a lot of that now as well. Um, you know, exciting. We've just gone into the premium lounges at Qantas and Heathrow Airport and... Um, we're starting to sell around Australia and indeed we've got strong interest um, from overseas as well. Ideally, Big Scrub Landcare would eventually like to restore the Big Scrub, which, remember, was 75,000 hectares to almost a third. Dr Tony Parks. If we could ever get to 30%, that's what the ecologists tell us is perfect. We estimate that the amount of rainforest that's been restored on, on land from which the rainforest has been cleared is about 300 hectares. So that's increased the area of remnants already by 30%. So we'd like to double the area and then double it again. But we've got to get the genetics right so that we know that the, uh, the restored rainforest will survive 
you know, in the indefinite future. But to do that, more funding is needed. And while Big Scrub Landcare has been successful in obtaining government grants over the last 20 years, Martin Brooks says accessing government dollars is now almost near impossible. They used to see the importance of this word called biodiversity. They used to see the importance of what this subtropical, this unique subtropical rainforest is all about. Not anymore. We have seen uh, an, an enormous drying up of support, uh, which I find just crazy because this is just so critical, so important uh, to our environment to preserve. It's part of our environmental heritage. You know, we can't lose it. It's full of threatened species. It's full of the most beautiful wildlife. And I just fell in love with it. And uh, I've been in love with it ever since.